Hold your Bibles up real high. Repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Evan's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Because it's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. It always provides direction when we need it. And so your word says, in all of our ways, acknowledge you and you will direct our path. And so, Father, we need you by your spirit to direct our path this morning. As we minister to those who are married in this room, I thank you, Father, that by the end of this week, by the end of this service, their marital lives will have been better. Their families would have been stronger. Their relationships, Father, will be more tighter. And most of all, Father, we thank you that their marital relationship will carry weight into generations to come. And so I step back now so the Spirit of God can use me to minister the oracles of God. And I declare in advance, because Jesus always confirms his word with signs following, that signs, miracles, and wonders are going to follow our lives as we obey your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, we're in our final week of our relationship series. And over, yeah, oh, yeah, mm mm-hmm. And over the past four weeks, we've divided our church services by relationship status. So if this is your first time with us, our 9 o'clock services over the last month have been designed to minister to our married couples. And then our 11 o'clock service right after this is meant to minister to our singles. And as I thought about how could I end the series for our married couples, I asked myself the question, what have I not dealt with that is a main concern uh, to most marital couples uh, as I have viewed as a pastor. And so our message title today, and we're staying, staying with the theme mirrors. So if you're taking notes, our message is called Closet Mirror. Closet Mirror. Now, we're not talking about you coming out of the closet. You need to stay in the closet with that. <laughs> but a... <laughs> I had to put that in there, you know. But a closet mirror is one of those mirrors that people may not ever see, whether they're our friends, our families, our neighbors. It's one of those mirrors that's in a place that most people never go. Now, even though they may never see that closet mirror, they see the effects of what we do in the mirror. In other words, they may not see the mirror in our closet, but they see the effects of what we wear and the result of what we put on from that. And so I've named this uh, whole lesson the closet mirror because I'm dealing with the finances of couples today. And finances are something that's private, but other people see the results of our financial choices and how we value money. Now, I know this is not going to be an amen, you know, type 
you know, lesson. I'm okay with that. Uh, But my main concern as a pastor is to see the marital couples get their financial lives together. Because our children's children are going to be impacted by how we manage our money today. Amen. So, uh, if you're taking notes, our message title is Closet Mirror. And if you want to subtitle today's message, it is Keys That Will Help Couples Experience Financial Unity. Everybody say financial unity. So, if you have your Bibles, we're going to start over in Matthew chapter 7, uh, I believe. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. But before we even jump into the scripture this morning, I want to give you 10 signs that your financial stewardship is in danger. Ten signs that your financial stewardship is in danger. Here's sign number one, and I'm going to go pretty fast, so if you want to take notes, just take a picture of the screen. Here's the first one. When you have no written budget in place that both people have went over and agreed to. It's quiet already. I'm going to say that again. The first sign that your financial stewardship is in danger as a couple, is when there is no written budget in place, watch this, that both people have went over and agreed to. Because it's not a unified budget if only one person put it together and the other person had no part in it. Send me an email through email. I appreciate that. Here's number two. When you are living from paycheck to paycheck, that's a sign that your financial stewardship is in danger when you're living from paycheck to paycheck. Here's number three. When you have a budget, but you have no practical way of carrying it out. When you have a budget, it's on paper, but you don't have a way to practically carry that budget out. Here's number four. And and here's why I say that. You can write down Proverbs 27, 23. It says, be thou diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. Now, in the Old Testament, we know that most of the men were herdsmen. They were cattle people. And so losing one sheep could cost you a lot of money. Losing one uh, horse or one donkey could cost you a lot of money. Money because back in those days, a donkey represented a vehicle. So just imagine you not keeping up with how many cars that you have. Well, that verse says, be diligent to know the state of your flocks and look well to your herds. In other words, you need to know what's coming in and know what's going out. Here's number, what number am I on? Number four. Here's the next one. When you have more expenses than you do income. These are signs that your financial stewardship is in danger when you have more expenses then you do income. This is when creditors are calling, but nobody's answering the phone. Here's the next one. When you make independent financial decisions outside the knowledge and agreement of your spouse. I'm going to say that one again. When you make independent, say independent. When you make independent financial decisions outside the knowledge and the agreement of your spouse. Here's the next one. When you spend money, you don't have to do things you shouldn't do. Everybody smile. We won't know who I'm talking to. When you spend money, you don't have to do things you shouldn't do. Have you ever loaned somebody some money and then the next week you saw them on Facebook on vacation? (laughs) Right? Or was that you? 
Okay, I'm just playing. Here's the next one. When you are depending on or spending money that may or may not come in the future. When you are depending on or spending money that may or may not come in the future. I call it ghost money. And never spend ghost money because it always disappears. Amen. Most people, they're waiting on the ship to come in, but a raft shows up. Here's the next one. When you're not saving any money for emergencies, rainy days, future retirement, college for kids, etc. When you're not saving money. And I'm going to give you some solutions to all of these today. Because if you can get in financial agreement today, it will change the destiny of your financial life. I'm going to say that on this side over here. If you can get in financial unity today, it will change the destiny of your financial life. Amen. Here's the next one. When only one person is working, but two incomes are needed to keep your finances afloat. Here's the next one. When there is no mutual respect for each other's feelings or input on how the finances are managed. When there is no respect to the spouse. Just because you may manage the money doesn't mean that you control the money. I'm going to say that again. Just because your responsibility in the relationship is to manage the money doesn't mean you're supposed to control the money. That's okay. People are, they, they, they are tweeting me amens up here. I, I can tell you. So I don't need them, but I'm getting them, all right? I'm going to give you a bonus one since you all are so quiet today. Here's your bonus one. Your finances are in trouble when you can't get in unity on managing your finances God's way. So I'm going to give you four things. Everybody say four things. I started with three, but I'm going to give you four things that couples must do in order to have a healthy financial home. Four things that you need to do to have a healthy financial home. Here's number one. You must remove the two main biblical lies that you have probably believed about money. I'm going to say that again. You have to remove the main two biblical lies that you have probably believed about money. No, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you these two lies. There are more than just two, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the two main lies that the average believer has believed about money. Here's the first one, and this one's more easy, and then we're going to move into the harder one, okay? And here's the reason why I'm teaching this lesson to our married people. Statistics show at our church that 70% of our members make only $30,000 a year. And I know that's not true because your car costs more than that. Your weed costs more than that. Come on. Your, your third car, fourth car costs more than that. So what I do understand, though, most people have been told to give and manage their money, but they haven't been taught how to do it. So a lot of you who've been around me for a while, there's some things you're going to already know about what I'm saying. But faith does not come by having heard. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And the problem with a lot of believers, we're functioning on having heard faith. This is why you have to hear a, 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 some type of message on money or, or managing or stewardship on a, at least three or four times a year because when you function on having heard faith, then that means you do it out of routine and not out of faith. I mean, how many ate yesterday, right? 
Raise your hand if you ate yesterday. All right, how many of you planning on eating today? Let me see your hand. You know why you're going to eat today? Because remembering what you ate yesterday ain't good enough. Well, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So here's line number one. Get ready. Here we go. Here comes that man. Giving decreases you instead of increases you. Giving decreases. This is a lie that most people believe that giving decreases you instead of increases you. So we're going to go through several scriptures because my whole point in this one right here is just to help you see and to help your mind get renewed that giving is good. Everybody say giving is good. Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. They're going to put it on the screen. It says, while the earth remains, seed time. Everybody say seed time. Seed time and harvest, cold and winter, summer and winter, uh, summer and heat, or let me just say it, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. In other words, as long as the earth or the planet is still here, listen, the whole system of sowing and reaping is still in place. That sounds like giving increases me, right? Did you know that God's original provision for Adam and Eve was in seed form and not just in fruit from the trees? Now, let's look in Genesis chapter 1. Let's look in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to show you because most of us, we think that God's blessings come with the blessing when the blessing is really in the seed from the blessing that he gives us. And this is why most people can never identify seed when they see it watch what it says now in genesis chapter 1 verse 11 it says and god said let the earth bring forth grass watch this the herb yielding what seed and the fruit tree yielding what fruit after its kind watch this whose seed is in itself upon the earth and it was so watch verse 12 and the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed After his kind and the tree yielding fruit whose seed, watch this, in itself after its kind and God saw that it was good. Now I want want to point something out that you may not have thought about. Had Adam not replanted some of the seeds from the fruit trees that God had given him him and uh, Eve, there would not have been enough fruit trees on the earth for us. Did y'all get that? I'm saying God put some fruit trees out there, but he put seed in the fruit. He did that so they could replant seed. Because had they just ate the fruit off the tree, threw the seeds away, there would not have been enough fruit on the trees for this multitude of people who are on the earth right now. That sounds like giving helps me. Luke 6.38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall who? Men give unto our bosom. That's why you have to be nice to everybody. Amen. I spoke in Florida this past week, and uh, uh, I was 45 minutes away from Jamaica, so I was just going to meet Pastor Sarah there and take a break and get my voice together, right? Well, the host that hosted me coming to their church We called them and said, hey, just do a one-way ticket because that's really they were all responsible for uh, and getting me back home, but I wasn't coming home. So we just said, hey, just get a one-way ticket and we'll take care of the rest of it. Do you know they took care of the whole trip for me? Amen. Amen. Everybody say, giving helps me. Amen. Uh, 
let's look at this now. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. Now, I'm going to ask the media department because I didn't give them this verse in the message translation. I'm going to first read it out of the King James Version, and then I'm going to ask them to uh, find it in the message translation. It says this in the King James. There is that that scatters, but yet it increases. And there is that one withholds more than what they should, but it tends to poverty. Verse 25, the liberal soul. What kind of soul? What kind of soul? What kind of soul? The liberal soul shall be made what? Fat, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. Now, the message translation, I love it so much. Someone, one of my pastor friends sent it to me this morning. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed, and those who help others are also helped. Someone say amen to that. So the first lie is when you and I believe that giving decreases us instead of increases us. Here's lie number two. Here's lie number two. This is getting, it's going to get tough. Touch your spouse and say it's about to get tough. All right, here's, here's lie number two, and that is God accepts anything we decide to give him. I'm going to say that one again. Most people, especially church people, we believe. That whatever we decide to give God, God will accept. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not true. Now, I know you probably have never heard something like this. In fact, I grew up Presbyterian. I had never heard it either. But for years, I read this story. We're going to Genesis chapter 4. I read this story with Cain and Abel. And I never could understand why would God reject one person's giving and accept the other person's giving. Well, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain. And she said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And again, she bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the what? Sheep. But Cain was a tiller of the what? Ground. And in the process of time, in other words, some time went by, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, what did he bring? He brought an offering, and who did he bring it to? Okay, so let's just stop right there because when you give, it may have word of truth's name on it, but you're actually giving it to the Lord. It says, Cain brought his offering to the Lord. Look in verse 4. And Abel, he also brought. Now, I want you to notice now the difference between what Cain brought and what Abel brought. And Abel brought of the firstlings of his flock and some what? So watch this. He brought the firstlings. That word firstlings can be translated the first one. So if he had three cows, he took the first cow and he gave it to the Lord. In fact, they would give the first one not even knowing if the cow was going to have a second one. See, that takes faith. Well, he brought the first one of his flock and, everybody say and, and some fat. Now, let me just give you a heads up. That's called tithe and offering. I'll show you that in just a second. So let me just point this out because God had to have given some instructions on how he wanted them to give to him him, or they wouldn't have known to do it. You agree with that? 
See, God's not going to leave it up to us on how he wants us to do something for him. And so he had to have given them some instructions on how he wanted them to give to him or they wouldn't have known to do it. Why would they just show up on the same day to bring something to the Lord? No, he explained some things to them. And I can prove to you why. Because in, later on that verse it says, And the Lord had respect unto Abel, watch this, and to his what? Unto his what? His offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he did not have respect. Wow. Let's see what happened. Cain got angry. And the Lord said to him, Cain, why are you angry? If he was in 2019, he would be saying, Cain, why do you have an attitude? He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you don't do well, sin lies at your door. So here's the million dollar question. Why did God accept Cain, uh, uh, Abel's offering and didn't accept Cain's? Because the bottom line was Cain did not do what God wanted him to do. Just like a lot of us. We don't do what God wants us to do because we don't think God has a standard in place. We think that God doesn't care and he would just take anything we, he wants, uh, uh, that we want to give him. But if that's the case, then he would have taken both of their offerings, but he didn't. Why? Because one followed his instructions and the other one didn't. Now, I don't know about you, but when I give to the Lord, when I give, I want God to take my money, not just the church. Because let me tell you a secret. God might reject it, but the church is going to take it. (laughs) Amen. Amen. So what was the difference? Cain gave out of what he wanted to give. Abel gave his first, which represents the tenth, and then some fat, which meant an offering. And that's why in Malachi chapter 3 verse 6 That's why I say it's because I want to show you something. Cain was the first person in the Bible who tried to alter or change the way God wanted us to give. Malachi 3, that's why he starts out by saying, hey, I'm the Lord, I change not. He says, verse 7, even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances, Cain, and you haven't kept them. Then he says, return to me and I'll return to you. But you say, well, how how should we return? He says, will a man ride God? Look at your spouse and say, we will. Will a man rob God? He says, yeah, how have you robbed me? He says, in what? Tithe, same system. First and fat, tithe and offering, same thing. And so what, what uh, Cain did, he got paid $100. And uh, instead of giving God, what's 10% of 100? 10, he just gave maybe three. And God ought to be happy, just like most of us. You know, a lot of us give online. So, you know, our our giving is in secret. But in the Bible, giving really wasn't secret. Remember the lady that was giving two mites? The Bible says she threw it in. Well, Jesus was watching. We wouldn't know about the story unless Jesus was watching. You have to understand back then the way they gave was through sacrifices of animals. So people know they saw you giving because they saw you bringing that horse to 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 the altar. No, they saw it. So, you know, we want to make giving secret. But this is why it doesn't matter how sophisticated we get. The reason why we will always have a time to honor giving is because giving is part of worship. And so what Cain did, he just said, I do what anything. And see what Abel did, he gave a first and 
some fat. So who else got a, somebody give me another dollar. Somebody give me a, give me a bill. Give me a bill. I'm going to show you what, I'm going to show you what Abel did. Okay, look at that. Thank you, pastor. Thank you. I, I didn't say you were going to get it back though. So let me, let me show. So this is the first 10 and some fat and offering. And so pastor Omar, would you hold on to that for me, please? Thank you, sir. Go ahead and have a seat. I didn't say you could have it. I said, hold on to it. Hold on to it. Now, can you bring it back? I'm sorry. Bring it back. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, let me ask you something. Did he give me $11? Did he bless me with $11? No. You know what he did? He returned to me my $11. And when you and I tithe, when we give, we're not giving. We are returning to God what's already his. Someone say amen. amen. So, you know, even in the New Testament, you know, y'all remember Ananias and Sapphira? And I don't have a lot of time, but y'all remember that? God didn't accept they giving either. I mean, can you imagine people dying before they put, put the money in the offering? You know, the offering bucket goes by and it... Can y'all, can y'all imagine that? I mean, look, we, there would be nobody in church. Look, if during offering time... People was giving the wrong amount. They just. We wouldn't have nobody giving wrong up in this joint, would we? Okay, so that was the first thing. We have to get rid of some lies. Here's, here's the second thing we must do to have a fi- healthy financial home. You must get in financial unity as a couple. You have to get in financial unity. All right? Now, Amos chapter 3 Pastor, I'm going to keep your dollar for my second illustration, all right? Can I have it? Praise the Lord. Our Father returned it in in a thousandfold. (laughs) Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Watch what it says. Can two walk together except they be what? Agreed, except they are in unity. Now, that word agreed means to meet by appointment. Spend some time to sit down. Agreement is a spiritual principle. Say spiritual principle. It's a spiritual principle that will affect any area of your life where we make decisions. And Matthew chapter 12 verse 25 shows us how powerful unity and agreement is. Watch what he says. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom, every home, every marriage divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself, read it with me. Come on, say it again. Shall not stand. See, marriage makes you one flesh. Therefore, unity and agreement is necessary and not an option. If you're not in unity financially, your financial success is at risk. You cannot operate your finances as a couple like you are two single people who just happen to be married. I'm going to say that again. You cannot operate your finances like you are two single people who just happen to be married. Amen. Ephesians 5.31 says, A man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. Do you know that that verse is mentioned in the Bible four times? 
Now, the main thing you must get in agreement with is God's way must become the standard for your home that you're going to operate your finances by. Especially if your way of managing finances has not been working. And, and let me just say this. Until you and I learn how to honor God financially, it is going to be difficult to manage our money his way. And watch this now. It's also going to be difficult for us to manage or honor our spouses as well. See, if you can't honor God, the chances of you being able to honor your spouse is low. I was sitting on a plane yesterday uh, uh, with a man, and I didn't realize that his wife and his daughter was on this side. He was on the window. I was on the aisle. And when I realized that they were married, I asked him, did he want me to trade seats? And I hate the window seat because I have long legs, and sometimes I want to stick them out, right? Well, he said, no, I'm good. And I thought, okay, <laughs> this is going to be interesting. So he needed some sanitary wipes to wipe down his area because I could tell he was a germaphobic. So his wife hands the sanitary, uh, uh, it was in a packet like in a Ziploc bag. She handed them to me and I handed them to them, him. I didn't have a problem doing that, okay? But when he finished with them, you know what he did? He threw them over to her. I wanted to slap him. Pop! Are you crazy? And then I had a flashback. I'm a pastor. I can't do that. Amen. Until you honor God, it will be hard to honor your spouse like you should. Someone say amen to that. Amen. When we give God's way as a couple, listen what happens. Let me just say this. When you learn how to give God's way, money just don't come back to you. Money is a part of what comes back. But God opens the door of favor and increase in addition to that. Amen. See, if you think giving money only gets you money, there are some places money can't get you. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 9. We're getting ready to close on this. Second Corinthians 9. Watch this. It says, but this I say. He who sows or gives sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in his heart. So let me just say this. Giving is all about the heart. It is not about the amount of money that you make. Don't try to make it about that. Don't try to make it about, well, I don't make enough money. If you, if you make it about that, then what you're saying is my heart is stingy. And you know, the biggest trick that the devil does on believers, especially these days, is the biggest trick is he makes people think that giving is for the church. And that's why well, I ain't giving them, you know, and that's why people, you get these, these givers, I don't know what you call them, but, but, but it's not for the church. You're not giving now, the lights are on, ain't they? Oh, that was kind of hard, wasn't it? Okay, let me say it over here. In a different way. You ain't giving, but the air is on, ain't it? No, no, no. See, the devil has got you tricked to believe that your giving is about the church when your giving is really about God. Jesus said it like this. Where your treasure is, you will find your heart. Thank you for that one silent clap in the front. 
Okay, this is going over real well. Let's, let's, let's look now. <laughs> let's look at verse 7. He says, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a what? Cheerful forgiver. And God, watch what happens. Now listen, listen. He started out by saying, you give little, you get little. You give a lot, you get a lot. And then he says, after you do that and you do it with the right heart, he says now, watch what, watch what verse says that happens. And God is able to make all grace to do what? Abound towards you. When you look that word grace up, it's the same English word favor. When the angels came to Mary and said, Mary, you have been favored by God, it's the same Greek word. So he's saying that God will cause all favor to abound toward you, not just money. That's why I'm a giver because I never know when I'm going to need some favor. He will cause all favor, watch this, to abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in how many things? All things may abound to every good work because the whole purpose behind giving anyway is for us to be able to do good works. And then it says, verse 10, Now he that ministers or provides seed to the who? Sower. Both ministers bread for your food. And then what happens? He multiplies your seeds that is sown. Amen. Here's a third thing as we wrap this up that we must do to have a healthy financial home. You must develop some financial goals as a couple. Now I'm going to spend a little time on this one because I feel as Christians, we don't do enough financial planning because Jesus paid it all. You go to the grocery store and pile up that basket. And you get up there and they add it up and, and it's a $1,000 and you have $15 and you say, well, Jesus paid it all. Well, they say, well, he paid all $15. Go put the rest of it back. We must develop some financial goals as a couple. And for this to happen, you must have a realistic budget. And then you have to wait to, you know, properly carry that budget out. So once you've got those two things in place... Here's the verse that I want to give you. I'm going to give you two verses. The first one is Psalm 37.5. It says, commit your way. Everybody say my way. Commit your way to who? The Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. The living Bible says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him to help you do it and he will. The amplified version, and I'm reading now out of... Uh, uh, the same verse, uh, actually this is Proverbs 16.3. It says, roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust wholly to him. He will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And so shall your plans be established and succeed. Let me tell you something about God. When you honor him, the windows of heaven is more than just material stuff coming out. The wonders of heaven is God pouring out ideas. God just get, recently gave, gave me an idea. It's a multi-million dollar idea. And what's interesting is on my trip, he connected me with the person that's going to help me bring it to pass. Amen. I'll tell you about it later. I'll tell you about it later. So what are some of the financial goals you and I should set? Here's the first one. To save a certain amount every pay period. Make that a goal. Make it a goal. Save a... This was, Pastor, we don't have... Listen, make a goal. Start with $5. You waste $5 at Starbucks. 
Everybody say, make it a goal. Make it a goal to save something every pay period. Here's number two. Recapture your time. I'm trying to talk to somebody this morning. Recapture your time because time is money. Recapture your time by believing for some of your household duties to be done by somebody else. Can I get an amen from the women? Amen. Years ago, Pastor Sarah, she wanted somebody to help her clean because, you know, in Jamaica, that is just part of the culture. That's part of the culture. They have people to clean their house. Well, that's not the culture here in America. So I'm like, sis, this is our help right here. So we made it a go. Okay, you know what? We're going to start out with one month. One month. We're going to get somebody. We're going to believe for extra money to come in that somebody can come and clean one time in a month. Amen. Start believing for somebody to mow your yard. I know you like doing it, but, but what could you do with that hour and a half that it's going to take you to mow that yard? Amen. Here's another one. Have a giving goal. Try to give more each year than you did the following year. This past year, I don't know how we did it. Pastor Sarah and I gave the most we have ever given in our lives. And in addition to giving the most we had ever given, we paid for Heaven's College cash. And then we got out of debt. Amazing. Have a giving goal. Here's another one. Have a goal to get out of debt. Take one bill at a time. Debt is an option, not a necessity. I said debt is an option, not a necessity. Here's another one. Have a goal to not buy anything else with a credit card. Here's the next one. Have a goal to increase your credit score. Well, if you have a goal to increase your credit score, that means you have to have a goal to pay your bills on time. Here's another one. Have a goal to believe for increase every month. And if you were part of my faith seminar, if you'll just start with a confession every day. I just got a testimony of one of our members. They started confessing an extra $250 a week. That's what they, that's what? That's $1,000 a month. They ended up with a $21,000 raise. Your money is in your mouth. So how do we apply this? How do we apply this? Here's number one. Get a budget together and operate by it. If you don't have one, and most people don't, because let me say this. If God can't trust you to manage the money you make at home, how can he trust you with what the Bible calls kingdom riches? Amen. Number one, get a budget together and operate by it. Here's number two, set some financial goals. And then here's number three, decide today, say today. Decide today to start honoring God with his first. So, so I'm about to do a financial altar call. This is going to be real different right here. With every head bowed, every head. And, and I already know the majority of the people in this room are struggling to honor God with the tent. I know you are. And you'll never get to the fat until you start with the tent. So here's the altar call. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come down here. I'm just going to ask you in just a second to respond by raising your hand. There are some people in this room, you've been struggling financially. And the challenge is you haven't even been doing it God's way.
And today is the day he's coming to you to ask you to honor him first. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. The Lord just told me to tell somebody, don't make this about Pastor Reverend. You will miss why I brought you to church today. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, there are some people in this room who need to make a, a financial decision today to start honoring God first. You say, well, Pastor, we're already struggling. Well, that, that, that proves you need God's help. And I'm pausing because I don't want this to be an emotional decision. This needs to be a calculated decision of your will. And I believe with all of my heart, I I see there are some people behind on their house note. And you don't know how you're going to catch up. God is saying, if you'll put me to the test, I'll catch you up. And so there are some people that need to make a decision today to start tithing today. You need to start, you need to make that decision. And here's how it works. Jesus can't give you the strength to do all things through him until you first make a decision that you're going to do it. And so if that's you today, you say, Pastor Evan, I'm not tithing. And then there are some people, let me just say this too. There are some inconsistent tithing people. Let me just explain what that is. If you've been, if you haven't tithed for 90 days straight without missing, you're inconsistent. And let me just say this, an inconsistent seed will always produce an inconsistent harvest. So there are those of you who've been inconsistent. You've been not 90 days. You've never done it 90 days straight. It's time to start. Or you've just not even tithing. And today you want to start and make that decision. Right there, because I'm going to pray a prayer over you. Because I know what the enemy's trying to do to your life. If that's you, say, Pastor Evan, I'm ready to make that decision today. Raise your hand right there at your seat, right there at your seat. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or anything, but I just want to see who I need to get in agreement with. And I'm going to wait because a lot of you all, in fact, uh, if you are the man in the home and you know you all are not doing it, your wife is waiting on you. I just need you to raise your hand. Both of y'all ain't got to raise because she's waiting on you, man of God. She's waiting on you. I'm going to wait. 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 Hands up high. Hands up high. Hands up high. I'm going to wait. I'm waiting on you. God's saying, I'm waiting on you, man of God. I'm waiting to open up the windows of heaven. I'm waiting to be able to pour you out a blessing. I'm waiting so I can rebuke the devourer for your I'm waiting. Hands up high, hands up high. Now, those of you who have your hands up, keep them up and look up at me. Keep them up and look up at me because I just want you to know that today the decision you're making, I know is going to change your life. This has nothing to do with the church. This has all to do with your honor to God. Once I point to you, you can put your hand down because I want you to know that I saw you. Thank you, sweet. I see your hand. Thank you, brother. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand right over here.